Everybody know what I'm talking about? Every time you turn around, they're doing something to you. They're practical jokers. And uh, there's three ladies in our church. And they've been picking on me. I said, you know, I'll get you back. I will get you back. And they just pick and pick and keep on and keep on. So I thought, Lord, you got to help me with these. And I had a dream about them. You know, Kathy Powell, Rhonda Burden, Miss Innocent. Boy, don't ever, don't ever fall for that. And little Miss Susan Tidwell. Now, don't ever fall for that one either. Kathy, you expected the other two. You think, oh, not out of them two. But they pick on me, constant. It's always something. And I had a dream about them, and they went to heaven. Now, I know that's a shock. It was a shock that they were in heaven to me as well. It kind of become a nightmare, really. And I dreamed they went to heaven, and when they got there, St. Peter was scratching his head and thinking, what are y'all doing up here? So I'll tell you what, I'll give you a chance. He said, I'll tell you, y'all come on in. He said, but I'm going to give you a warning. Whatever you do, you don't hurt a duck. What do you mean don't hurt a duck? They're, they looked around, there was just ducks everywhere, little bitty ducks, big ducks, baby ducks. And they were sitting there, don't hurt a duck. And it wasn't but just a few minutes. I mean, just a few minutes. Susan blundered, and when she did, she had one of those Mike Tidwell moments, you know. And she stepped on the duck. And immediately, here comes St. Peter with handcuffs and handcuffed her to the most ugliest guy you have ever seen in your life. And said, you know, I'm sorry, this is what you get. You stepped on the duck. Now this is your mate for eternity. And off they went. Next thing you know, old Kathy boy and, and Rhonda's shaking in their boots and, and Rhonda's saying, look, Kathy, help me. I'm getting all scared. We, we got to watch ourselves. We just really got to pay attention. And they went along for a couple of weeks and all of a sudden Rhonda had a blonde moment. She stepped on a duck. Boom, here comes that Peter handcuffed her to the most ugliest guy you ever seen, old, wrinkled up. Kind of mind me of Bud Middleton a little bit. <laughs> and um, off they went, mates for eternity. And Kathy, oh, I got myself together. And I mean to take six months passed. And all of a sudden, here comes that Peter and whom handcuffed her to the most handsomest man you've ever seen in your life. And she thought, well, I haven't stepped on a duck. Oh, what have I done to deserve this? The guy said, I don't know what you've done, but all I've done was step on a duck. <laughs> Can we go home now? <laughs> Laughter doeth good like a medicine. How many knows that you can have fun as a Christian? As long as you keep it clean and innocent. Amen. Hallelujah. So those of you that have any thought of, you know, picking on the pastor, remember I get the microphone every Sunday. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Psalms chapter 13. Psalms chapter 13. 
starting with verse 1. If you'd stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. And, but you know, before we do, I forgot our declaration. Can you put the declaration up first, guys? I'm sorry about that. All right, you ready? Lord, today by faith, we declare that we are walking in the manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he has delivered us from all of our troubles and all of our fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health, healing, and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives. We declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Give the Lord praise for that. Amen. Now, Psalms chapter 13, verse 1 through 6. How long will thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long will thou hide thy face from me? How long will I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemies be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Brother Chuck Richardson, would you ask the Lord's anointing on the word, please? Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, in our text, we see that David was so depressed that he actually felt like that God had forgotten him. David, here in this passage of Scripture, is in bad shape. He's bad shape mentally, spiritually, and even emotionally. How many would ever think that David would ever get to that place? Because the Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. Here is a man, David, a man after God's own heart, but yet finding himself emotionally and spiritually and mentally depleted. Look what verse 1 says. How long will thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long will thou hide thy face against me? David actually entertained the thought that God had forgotten him. As a matter of fact, he got into the thinking that God was elusive, that God was in hiding, that God was playing hide-and-go-seat with him. And for a moment, David not only entertained these thoughts, but he embraced it temporarily. He embraced it to the point that he writes these words down in our text as he petitions the Lord in prayer and he asks him, how long are you going to forget me? Some historians believe that it was at the time that David wrote this psalm that he was running from King Saul. The men of King Saul were hunting David down like an animal. We all know that. He has constantly had to stay on the move to look over his back to make sure that the enemy wasn't going to catch him by surprise. Saul's men were relentless in chasing David. When you study the story, they were in full pursuit of him day and night, never allowing him to sleep, never allowing him to have any time of rest. Day after day, night after night, they kept pursuing him. They were determined to bring David down because they would get rewarded by King Saul. 
David had come close to death many times by these guys, but somehow he had managed to escape each and every time. And now he's weary. He's drained physically. He's mentally and emotionally depleted. David is at the point of complete depletion. Have you ever been there? How many of you ever felt like that you've been depleted in your spiritual, physical, mental capacities? Of course we have. We have been to those places like David. Here he is at the end of his rope. He's tired. He's frail. He's weak. He's exhausted. He's hungry. He's wore out. And he's running on fumes. And it's during this time in his desperation that he cries out and he writes this and pins it in Psalms 13 to God. God, when are you going to help me? When are you going to come through? When are you going to come out of hiding? Have you ever felt like that as an individual? Have you ever felt like that God has forsaken you or forgotten you and he isn't paying any attention to you at all? Have you ever felt like when you pray, your prayers hit the ceiling and they come right back down in your face and it's heavy and there's no liberty and there's no kind of spiritual atmosphere whatsoever? All you know is that it feels like that God is not there. Have you ever felt abandoned by God like David has? I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I know that the Lord has set somebody up in this service on this uh, good Memorial Day weekend. I was going to preach on Memorial, the Memorial Day and what it meant, but the Lord changed my mind. Somehow, someone here this morning is asking the same questions like that of David. You've been dis- disappointed or maybe you have faced uh, traumatic failures in your life. Maybe you've suffered losses. Maybe you've seemed to be isolated and disillusioned uh, and, you're being, and, and, you're, and you've been wondering, why did God allow me to even get to the place that I'm at? You're saying, God, why have you allowed me to get into this shape? Why am I so depleted? Why am I so void of your presence? Why is it that I don't have any kind of spiritual enlightenment at all in my life? You have been comparing yourself to everyone else and no one seems to be in the place that you are in. You don't think that anybody has ever faced what you have faced. And can I tell you here this morning, I don't care what you're faced with today or how you feel, it's not about feelings. God wants to pick you up today. He wants to encourage you. He wants to heal you emotionally, physically, and mentally. And even though that you have reached out to him with no avail, you have called out to his name, nothing seemed to happen. You have been whispering, you have been yelling, you have been screaming, you have been crying, you have been doing everything that you know to do, and yet it seems that he's not come through for you. Yet I want you to know, even though that you've done that, yet he is still the only one that can help you. We have to realize whether we're saved or whether we're not, life is still life. And in life, we all share similar experiences. We all experience sorrow and loss and disappointments, frustrations, failures and fears, and the list goes on and on and on. But we as believers have to stop letting life do something with us, and we're going to have to take charge and let us do something with life. Can I have an amen? This is what that Jesus was talking about in John 10.10 when he said, the thief cometh not but to kill, to steal, and destroy. But he said, hey, I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. How many believes that there is abundant life in Jesus Christ? No matter what you're going through, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're married to, no matter what job you have, no matter where, what side of the tracks you live in, or what kind of financial status that you live under, God wants you to have abundant life. Can I have an amen? This is why that Paul said in Philippians 4 and 13, he said, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Every difficult time that we face in life, God will give us the strength to go through it. I believe that. I believe that with all of my heart. This is a solemn promise of God, and God cannot lie. I don't care what you're going through. God has the ability to see you through it. 
God's promise is that he will see you through it. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. We quote those scriptures all the time. But anybody in this place this morning ever prayed and it seemed like that you can't find God? If that has ever happened to you before, would you just raise your hand? Raise your hand real high. Now I want you to look around this sanctuary. Keep it up. I want you to look around this sanctuary, all of you, and you will, and those of you that thought you're the only one that ever felt that way and that no one could ever identify with you, just look around. All along, there were multitudes of people that can identify where you're at. We have all been to that place when we felt like God was not listening. We have all been to that place when our prayers just bounced up and bounced back down, heaviness, no life, no joy, no nothing. There were times that when we walked in the sanctuary that we just down and we're just going through the motions because we're mostly depleted. We've all faced that. We've all went through that. We have all felt skipped, abandoned, forgotten, less important, outcast, and plain old rejected by God. We've all felt that. David could not find God as, as he thought within himself, but he felt like that God somehow had forgotten him. But I want you to notice something that even though that he felt like that God had forgotten him, but yet that was not his main concern. You say, how could that not be his main concern? because there's an element, there's an underlining element of faith in this passage of scripture that most of us don't even pay attention to and the Lord showed it to me. I begin, this is one of the most simple sermons I've ever preached in my life. It's no deep revelation or anything like that, but I'm, I'm able to preach to you today of something that I just experienced in my life and I'll tell you the testimony a little bit at the end of the sermon. But I, 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 as I begin to look at this passage of scripture, I thought, oh wow, I have never seen that before. But, but David knew that God was able to keep him or he would not have been petitioning him. He would not have spent time in praying to him. And it may be true that he felt like that God had forgotten him, but he showed a level of faith by saying, how long? How long are you going to forget me? In other words, he wanted to know, how long are you going to forget me? It's not, David was saying, I know that you're not going to forget me forever. That's his statement. You may have forgotten for the last month, but you ain't forever, forever going to forget me. My point is, David may have been seeking and asking and searching for God without any results of ever finding him, but David had a level of, a level of faith that there was coming a manifestation season. David was saying, how long is this going to happen? In other words, David just wanted to know, how long are you going to hide your face from me? How long is this process going to last? How long am I going to be in this season? How long is it before I see your glory? My point is that David never gave up on God. Even though he sought for him, he beseeched him, he asked for him, he'd done everything that he knew to do and could not find him, yet David was saying, I'm going to find you. I'm not giving up. I am not throwing my faith away. How long is it going to be? How long am I going to live in this process? How long is this journey going to be? Because there's going to come a morning when I waken up to the fact and the reality that you're still God and you're going to come in through for me. And I want some of you to know that David never gave up on God. And no matter how bad things are, no matter what happens or how you feel, never give up on your faith because I promise you that joy is coming your way in the morning if you'll endure the season of the nighttime. Can I have an amen? Right now, before I go any further, would you just thank the Lord and say, Lord, I've never gave up on you, but more importantly, you've never gave up on me. Amen? God is faithful to us. I like this next thing. David, ask another question. Excuse me. David, ask another question in verse 2. How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Now, David had been in bad places before. 
David was a warrior, a fighter, but he was also an edifier and an encourager. And when David found himself in bad times, he often encouraged himself in the Lord. David had a way of talking to himself. Have you ever talked to yourself? Matter of fact, people, I talk to myself probably more than anybody. My wife's, what are you, I'm, I'm just talking to myself. My mom uh, is living with us now, and all the time we're sitting there watching television. What do you, what'd you say? Mom, nothing. I'm just talking to myself. And sometimes I think she thinks, man, we ought to send him off. He's gone a little bit off the deep end. Have you ever been at a stoplight sitting there talking to yourself, and all of a sudden you look over in the other car, and there's four or five people staring at you like, who are you talking to? Amen? Well, I'm bad about that because I have to talk to myself. I don't know if you ever have to talk to yourself, but I have to talk to myself. There's times I have to say, hey, Kent, get it together. Come on. Hey, Kent, cast that thought down. That ain't right. Hey, Kent, hey, Kent, I'm constantly talking about this is what David did. He had a way of keeping his thoughts from wandering and getting them out of control. David did in the Old Testament what the Apostle Paul commanded the Corinthians do in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. David took control over his mind. He cast down evil imaginations that spoke things contrary to God's love over his life. When things come to you in a negative form that tries to tell you in any fashion, form, or way that God's abandoned you, that God's forgotten you, that God don't love you, you have to get a hold of your mind because that's an evil imagination. That's not scripture. And you have to bring that down, cast that down, and understand and quote the scriptures that concern the love of God over your life. And that's what David did. He done what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, when Paul said, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. In other words, you got to think on the things that are positive. you got to want to think on the things that are of, of a godly nature. You and I cannot allow our minds to wander, in any, wander all the time and take hold of negative voices and negative influences and spirits that's seductive that is speaking and whispering things into our ears and take them as validation of who we are or we will be destroyed. Can I have an amen? David continually kept talking to himself, reminding himself of the goodness of God, the love of God, the faithfulness of God. How many has ever had to do that? How many of you have ever reminded yourself of the faithfulness of God? Of course you have. How many have ever reminded yourself of the love of God or the goodness of God? Amen. We're always having to talk ourselves and encourage ourselves like David did. David had a great history of talking to himself in the times of great distress. Do you remember in 1 Samuel chapter 30 when the people rose up and wanted to stone David at Ziglag because the city had been burned after the men had come in from war? They had been warned they were David's mighty men and they come home to Ziglag and all of a sudden they find out that all of their families have been kidnapped by by the Amalekites, and there's their daughters, their sons, and their wives were gone. And verse 6 of that chapter, it says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, they're going to kill him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. You can understand that. Here's these men went out to war for David, and they're fighting with David. They came back, they're tired. They've been battling a long, long, hard battle, and they come home, and all of a sudden their families are gone, and they're mad at the leader for what has happened, that he did not have protection over the family. But then it says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Even though he was greatly distressed, they were going to stone him, they were going to beat upon him, 
What did David do at that moment? He encouraged himself. In the most perplexing times, David had a way of keeping his mind, keeping his thoughts. David had a way of encouraging himself through self-talk. He would mind himself of all of the past testimonies of what God done for his life. How many of you got a testimony here today of what God's done something in your life? You better hang on to that testimony because there's going to be times that testimony is going to be important. You remember when David went out to face Goliath, that great giant, and all of a sudden they begin to tell David, David, you can't fight this Goliath. Goliath, this giant, he's a man of war. He's skilled. He, he's, you know, so many feet tall. He's so many feet wide, and he's stronger than you. You're nothing but a little kid. And David got enough of it. And he said, I want to tell you something. When I was attending my father's sheep, a bear come up, and when my bare hands, I slew the bear. He went back to his past testimony. And then he said, and then a lion came. That was no different. I slew the lion. And he said, I slew the bear. I slew the lion. And this old Philistine is no different. I'm going to slay him too. Sometimes you got to reach back in your past to a testimony and bring it to the forefront to remind you of what God done for you yesterday. He's going to do for you today. He's the same yesterday and today and forever and he changed not. If God brought you this for, he'll see you the rest of the way home because it's his name that is at stake. Because if you don't get there, then they're going to accuse God of not having the power to preserve you and to protect you and to keep you. Can I have an amen? Oh, God's going to get us there. Amen. He's able to preserve you faultless before his exceedingly great coming. Amen. But he would, not, he would not let circumstances, David wouldn't, dictate to him, but rather he used self-talk to keep himself aligned with God. You and I have to do the same thing. But what happens when your self-talk doesn't work anymore? Have you ever been there? David was saying, I can only take counsel in my soul so long. I take counsel in my soul, but it's not working. He said, I keep encouraging myself. I keep speaking to myself, but my heart is still overwhelmed with sorrows, what he said in the scripture. He says, I keep doing all these things that I've always done, but he goes on and says, and even with me doing everything I know to do, my enemies keep ex being exalted over me. They keep being exalted, and I keep being abased. He's saying, my self-talk, is it working? I'm encouraging myself, but to no avail. And David refused to feel, however, even when that's happening, rejected, outcasted, abandoned, and skipped over. He said, I don't understand it, God. I'm hanging in here. My self-talk ain't working. My reaching back to my old testimonies is not encouraging me. My heart's still full of sorrow. And even though I feel like this, I feel like I'm forgotten at this present moment, yet David says, but I know I'm not totally abandoned and rejected. Now, that's hard, folks, when you're just standing there strictly by faith with no sign, no evidence, no visible evidences at all that God's working on your behalf. And every time that you try to encourage yourself that things are going to get better, things get worse. And every time you tell yourself something's going to happen and you start building yourself up, you just get another blow to crush you. That's what David was faced here in this scripture. As a matter of fact, David says, even if I sleep the sleep of death over this, yet I will trust in thy mercy and my heart will rejoice in your salvation. Now watch this. As David began to lift his, lift his petition to the Lord, and after he showed faith in God, even if it meant that he says, I am going to continually believe in you even if I die over this. If this brings me to death, so be it. And all of a sudden, something happens. Right in the middle of all this, David, when he gets so depleted that he begins to just say, God, if it ain't your will for me to live over this, then I'm just going to trust in the mercy of your salvation. I'm going to trust in eternal life. I'm going to put my rest in that. If my life does not change, if my enemy overtakes me, if I go sleep the sleep of death, I'm still going to trust you. 
And then the next thing you see is David, in the midst of all that, breaks out in a song. And the Lord just spoke to me in everything David was going through. Though depressed, distraught, emotionally drained, physically depleted, running on fumes. Listen to what David says in verse 6. I will sing unto the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. When at what point did God begin to deal with him? When did he feel the tug of the Holy Spirit? When did he feel that urge to sing? When did he feel the inner impulse to sing? It wasn't until he got to the very bottom of his life and he said, whether you come through in this life, it doesn't matter. You're going to come through in the life to come. I have totally put my trust in you regardless of what happens. And it was at that moment that God began to reward David's faith. And all of a sudden, with everything that he was facing and with all the things that he felt, David began to be dealt with by God to sing. God dealt bountifully with him is what the Bible says. All of a sudden, there was an inner prompting. There was an inner desire. There was an inner stirring to just start breaking out in a song. Have you ever had that happen to you? Come on, somebody, is, am I the only one that's had that to happen to me? Doesn't that sound odd when it looks like that you're about to be overcome by your enemies? When it looks like that you're at the end of your road and all of a sudden you begin to have an inner prompting by God to do something that's so weird? Sing. Don't fight. Don't draw a sword. Come on. Don't keep running. Don't keep hiding in caves. Don't keep doing all. Sing. Sing. Hallelujah. When everything looked like there was nothing to sing about, yet God moved upon David with a song. It was just like the story of Paul and Silas, if not, well, is it not, in Acts 16, when they were thrown into prison for casting a demon out of a woman that had a spirit of divination. And when her master saw that the hopes of their gains were gone, they were exploiting the woman for money. When they could no longer get money out of her because they were using that demon that was inside of her for profit, for financial gain. And when they seen they couldn't do that, they, went, they, they took Paul and Silas to the magistrates and they said, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive or to observe us being Romans. And then the Bible says that the multitudes rose up against them and the magistrates went off their clothes and commanded to beat them. So here they are being beat and they're being whipped. And when they laid many stripes upon them, according to the word of God, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safe. Don't let them escape. And having received such a charge, the Bible says, thrust them into the very inner prison in the darkest pit, down in the hole, you might say, and put stocks and chains upon their hands and feet. And oh, but I like that next verse of scripture. But somewhere between the time they were put in there, where it be afternoon or whatever, the Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas began to sing praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. I like, first of all, it says at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sing songs, and the prisoners heard them. Now, there's something that I know that this is the normal thing that happens in my life. When I am distressed, I pray. When I'm in hardship, I pray. Those of you that know anything about God, is when he wants to get your attention, he'll take off the, the, the floodgates of blessing, allow you to go through something to get your attention, and you know what happens? You'll begin to pray. Amen? But it's in the midst of that prayer that he begins to lead you. And it was here they were beaten, whipped, in stocks and chains in the inner prison. And all of a sudden they pray and out of that prayer time comes an urge to sing. <laughs> I like this. And they begin to sing the songs of life. What song was it? I don't know. It was their song. Maybe it's a song like I sing in the shower sometimes. It's just one I make up. 
Every one of you are songwriters. Don't tell me you don't do that. I do it. Some of them make sense. Some of them don't. Some of them are to be recorded. I think I'd get rich. Amen. But they just got to singing and magnifying God. God got to tapping his foot. And the next thing you know, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. I like this because Paul and Silas' song not only freed themselves, but it opened every prison cell in that place. We need to sing the songs of deliverance in the church. We need to engage ourselves in the songs of salvation. You know why? Because not only will it free us, it sets an atmosphere that's conducive to deliverance. It sets other captives free. Amen? So now I want you, I want you to follow this with me. Sometimes I think we just need to break out and sing in the midst of trial. When you don't know what to do, when your back's against the wall, you feel forgotten, you feel like God's hiding. There's one promise we have. God inhabits the praises of his people. Amen. Songs like, I wish I could sing. I like that one song. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. I will sing. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. I will sing, and it goes on, with my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness, thy faithfulness. With my mouth I'll make known thy faithfulness to all generations. And then he repeats it again. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing, I will sing, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. How many love that kind of singing? You begin to just start singing and all of a sudden something begins to start transpiring in the heavenlies. All of a sudden that which was heavy becomes lighter. All of a sudden that which dark becomes to become gray. All of a sudden hope begins to spring in. Cracks of light begin to come in as you begin to sing because you're punching holes in the darkness. All of a sudden, you know guys, you can say whatever you want, but what we're doing right here at the church is spiritual warfare with playing music outside 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That Christian music, we switched tapes not to be so, so that it won't be so uh, uh, the same old repetitious thing over and over and over. But 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we're setting an atmosphere in this whole area. Some people that walk, walk, work down the street come up and got a hold, I think it was Mike or Zach or one of them, one of them was telling me about it and said a woman came in and said, hey, I want to just talk to you about your music you're playing. He said, oh, is it too loud? We're saying, no, 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 it's not that. I worked right down the street, and she said, I want to tell you, you're doing something in the heavens you don't have anything to know about. I'm a Christian, and you're punching holes in the darkness, and you're setting an atmosphere that's conducive to worship. And I want to tell you, there's just something about singing in the midst of trial. It's just about something saying, I'm laying down what I feel, and I'm picking up the joy of the Lord by choice, and I'm going to magnify my God in the midst of trial. I'm going to lift my head higher than I've ever lifted and I'm going to magnify his holy name and I'll praise and exalt him regardless of what takes place in my life. Would you give the Lord praise in this building tonight? Amen. Songs are so powerful. You know music's a language? Of course it is. David played music to soothe the heart of King Saul when he had been tormented by evil spirits. As David played under the anointing of the spirit of God, the evil spirit that vexed and took over Saul would have to leave and David's songs then would soothe him and calm him and minister to him. And now we see that it's years later and it's David who needs the encouragement. He was depressed, he was suffering emotionally, he was battling the spirit of despair. Here he is in Psalms 13 crying out desperately for God to come and to help him. 
he couldn't find anyone to encourage himself. He couldn't, I mean, he couldn't find anyone to encourage him and he couldn't encourage himself. No longer could he counsel his own soul. He couldn't talk his way to victory. He couldn't even think his way to victory. He tried to think on the things that were just and holy and good and of good report and all those things. But then right in the middle of his prayer, in the time of petitioning, in the time of seeking, all of a sudden God says, sing, David, sing. Sing, David, sing. Oh, hallelujah. If David's songs were good enough to drive an evil spirit off of Saul, why, why couldn't that same voice lift up, that it lifted up in song drive that same spirit away from David? Can I have an amen? When you're depleted, sometimes, folks, all you got is your song. That's all you got. It's all you got left. Sometimes when you're at the end of your rope, all you got is a song. There are a lot of folks right here today that feel the way that David felt. You're in trouble in your spirit. You're stressed to the limit. You're overworked, underpaid, overstretched. You're having family problems, money problems, teenage problems, marital problems, physical problems, emotional problems, spiritual, and the problems keep on going and going and going. Depression's having a field day in your life. This is happening to all age groups, all backgrounds, all culture, all genders. Don't matter if you're young, don't matter if you're old. I want to tell you, we're at a melting pot in America. Amen. There's more stress and pressure and anxiety now than there's ever been in our whole nation. People on the verge of breakdown. They're on the verge of meltdown. I deal with it every day of my life as a pastor. I've come to tell you, don't lie down and cave into that spirit, but rise up and sing, baby, sing. Amen. Sing your way out of it. Praise your way out of it. It doesn't matter that you can't play music or you can't sing good. There's still a song of praise that you can possess with when you have confidence in God. You say, Pastor, you just don't know how bad it is. You may be going through some of the most troublesome times of your life, but your heart can be filled with the joy of the Lord and a heartfelt song of praise if you'll let it be. The Apostle Paul told the Ephesians in Ephesians 5 and 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, make a melody in your heart to the Lord. He's telling you to do that. Sing to yourself. Not to everybody else, to yourself. Sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Make a melody in your heart to the Lord. When the chips are down, sing. When the body hurts, sing. When it rains, sing. When it's time to pay bills and it's rough, sing. When it's a bad report, sing. When it's your darkest hour, the midnight hour, sing for heaven's sakes. Can I have an amen? I like what Psalms 96, 1 and 2 says. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord. Bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. How do you show forth his salvation from day to day? Sing about it. Glorify his name. I like what Psalms 98 verse 1 and 2 says. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. For he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten us the victory. The Lord hath made known his salvation, his righteousness, as he openly showed in the sight of the heathens through singing. Psalms 100 says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter in his courts with praise. Bless his holy name and be thankful. For the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever and his truth endureth to all generations. All I can say is when the chips are down, sing, baby, sing. Amen. I like Psalms 18 and 81 and 1. Sing aloud unto God our strength. Make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. I like Psalms 95 and 1. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. David finally figured out his songs were just as powerful to him as they were to Saul. In Psalms 108, verse 1 through 3, listen to what David says. Oh, God, my heart is fixed. 
I like that. Oh, God, my heart has become fixed. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people, and I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. In other words, David says, no matter what's going on, every morning I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to wake up the old psaltery and the harp, and I'm going to praise you with a loud voice to where all the people of the nations can hear me. Philippians 4 and 4 says, Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And I want to remind you, he wrote that in Philippi, in jail, in a dungeon. Can I have an amen? David said in Psalms 34 and 1, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. No matter what you're going through, no matter how many things are wrong, you, no matter how the service feels, whether it feels dead or whether it feels alive, whether it's energetic or whether it's just a, a strain and heavy, I want to tell you, all you have to do is just keep singing, keep praising and glorifying God and God will come through for you. You are to sing unto the Lord and bless his name so forth as salvation forever. I've come with a message to tell someone here today, stop complaining and start singing. Stop griping about everything that's wrong and sing. Stop feuding, fighting, crying, and feeling sorry for yourself. Sing for heaven's sakes. Sing a new song unto the Lord. There ain't nobody that can sing your song like you can because no one's coming out of the stuff you're coming out of. Can I have an amen? I can't sing your song because it's your song. No one can move you with their song like you can move yourself with your own song. Amen? So what I say unto one, I say unto all here, folks, start learning how to sing. Amen. If we keep choosing to dwell on our problems and troubles to the degree that we allow them to become the center of our lives and the topic of our family conversations, we will develop a sense of despair that will lower us into the depths of depression. And before we know it, we'll find ourselves in a dilemma of pain and sorrow so deep and so difficult that we'll not be able to see the light of the tunnel at the end of the tunnel. We'll be caught in it. Despair and sadness and hopelessness and gloominess, rejection will sit in and we'll be so buried in that pit that we'll not be able to come out of it. This is what happened to Israel when they went into captivity. The Babylonians came up and said, sing us the songs of Zion. They said, how can we sing the songs of Zion in a strange land among strange people? So instead of Israel singing the song of Zion and the Lord singing the songs of Zion in the... It says that they wouldn't sing because they were in captivity. It said, we hanged our harps upon the willow trees, and there they remain in the midst of them. In other words, we can't sing in a strange land among strange people. We're in captivity, so we're just going to hang our harps up in the willow trees and not use them. You know what happened? Because of that, captivity didn't come as early as what it could have came. I'm here to tell you, folks, even in the midst of captivity, sing, sing. They gave up their praise due to circumstances. They quit singing, and guess what? The Lord's song of redemption and deliverance remains silent. Oh, God. I don't want the songs of deliverance to remain silent. If we keep choosing to dwell on the negative things of life instead of the blessings of God, we will lose our joy. This is what happened to me not too long ago. Just here recently, I'll give you a testimony that some of the things I was dealing with. With my job as a pastor, I listen to everyone's problems, I hear everyone's complaints. I listen to their anguish and their circumstances. I see their cries. I see their pain. I see the negatives that's going on in their lives. And before long, I was carrying those things home with me. And I was so heavy in my spirit and so burdened for the people and weeping. And even though I were doing my devotions and I was preaching and I was studying, yet there came a time when I was consumed by all the negative stuff that I was hearing. 
And matter of fact, to the point that I just kind of cut the ties for a moment, and and I and I and I and the counseling that I do or the meetings that I have, I just kind of started separating them further apart because I began to feel that I was overwhelmed and I was taking them personal and I was trying to fix it for everybody. I was trying to become their Superman, their superstar. I wanted a word for everybody. <laughs> I wanted to lay hands on them and immediately have things happen. And because there was such negative stuff going on, I allowed it to consume me. And one night I just walked in and I thought, God, where's my joy? God, where's my passion? I'm finding it hard to even study for sermons anymore. God, and when I am studying for sermons, even though I believe that you're directing me, where's the rhema words that was there? They're not as frequent. I'm not as in tune as I once was. What's going on, God? What's going on in my own personal life? What has caused me to not have that real deep sensitivity to you? And all of a sudden, I begin to realize that I had been allowing the negatives to override the positives. And before long, I, it affected my hearing of the Lord. Come on, somebody. It affected my judgment and discernment. It was affecting everything that I was doing. And all of a sudden, this has happened. I, I get Time gets away from me, but several weeks ago, months ago, and I finally got into prayer and I said, I'm not coming out until I get an answer from the Lord. I'm just not coming out until I get an answer because I'm a pastor and I can't be, I cannot be, allow this uh, uh, to, to remain very long because there's too much at stake. I've got to be spiritually alert. I've got to be keen. I've got to be aware of what's going on in the spirit world. I've got to have my thumb on things to a certain degree. God, I'm your leader. I'm your shepherd. I've got to hear from you and I've got to preach right. I've got to operate in the gifts. God, I can't do it with what's going on in my life right now. So I went into prayer, a deep prayer. And all of a sudden, in the midst of that prayer, a song broke through in my lips, and I've never been the same. I've been singing it ever since. And let me tell you, it is a song uh, for, uh, in season for me. Have you ever had a song in season for you where you just wore that thing out? Amen? My wife used to say sometimes we'd be traveling, and I'd put in a, a tape, and when, it, when the song got done, I'd hit replay, boom. She said, there's more songs on that tape. Amen. But I liked that one song. It was ministering to me. I was wearing it out. I was wearing it out over and over and over. This song came to me, and now this may not mean nothing to you, but I cry almost every time I even read the lyrics of it. I sing it to myself. No, Jenny hears it. Now she's singing it. She can sing it a lot better than I can. But it ain't her song. It's my song. I got it first. Amen. It was birthed out of pain. It was birthed through some hard stuff. It come to the sense that I had to be like, hey, I got to sharpen my senses here. How do I do it, God? And God didn't come down and make me speak in tongues or make me run an aisle or fall out or my hair stand up on me. He gave me a song. You know what the song is? I'll sing it to you. My days are filled with laughter. My heart has known your peace. I've traveled far, but there's still there's far to go. Cause in my heart there's a longing to look upon your face. For where you are, there's where I long to be. You are my king. You are the lamb, the lion of Judah the seed of Abraham.
the Holy One, God's only Son. You are the King of who I am. The next verse says, oh yeah, that's great, isn't it? It don't matter if it's great or not, it's ministering to me. No matter how it sounds, every road I've traveled, now this one that got me, because he made me reflect back on my past ever since I was a little boy he'd saved. Every road I've traveled down, you have gone before me. You made the light shine out of darkness. I'm looking for that day when I bow before you. So why? So I can lay my crown at your feet because you are my king. You are the lamb, the lion of Judah, the seed of Abraham, the Holy One, God's only Son. You are the king of who I am. I'm here to tell you today that's changed my life. I'm surprised I can even sing it because in my devotion time when I sing it to the Lord, I bawl like a baby. Every road I travel down, you have walked before me and you've made the light to shine out of darkness. And in my heart, there's a longing to where you are, there's where I also want to be. Oh, hallelujah. Would you stand with me this morning? When I couldn't reach God any way else, I had to choose to sing. And when I started singing that song, I melted like a baby. And that song's meant something to me ever since, and I just keep singing it. And when that song goes out of season and I go through my trial again, I'll pick up a different song. Now my wife's joining in that song. When she say, Oh, man, when she sings it, it tears me up because she can sing it right. But it's my song. Whatever you and I choose to dwell on will become the things that rule over us. Whatever we choose to focus on will be the ongoing object of our attention. And we have to make sure that our focus on the things that will bring happiness and joy in the midst of our trial. Our focus has to be on the blessings of God and not on the circumstances of that trial. If it wasn't... It wasn't until David changed focus off the object of his trial and he put it on a song that his countenance and his atmosphere changed and the victory came. We have to have a song of praise in our heart and if the blessings are to come. I like what Psalms 107 and 8 says. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. We got a lot to praise him about. I, I can't get off my song. You like my song? You're my audience. We're going to stay here all day. <laughs> when I first got saved, Jenny and her mom and her, bro her brother and sisters could sing, and they had a singing group. I thought, man, I'm going to be a, a terror of a Pentecostal singer. I'm a terror, all right. <laughs> huh. My days are filled with laughter. 
my heart has known your peace. Hmm. I've traveled far. Oh, but there's still four to go. Because in my heart there's a longing to look upon that face. For where you are is where I long to be. What a song. You are my king. You are the lamb. The Lion of Judah, the Seed of Abraham, the Holy One, God's only Son. You are the King of who I am. He's my King. And I know right well, my focus is back. My alertness is back. All because of a song. That happened in prayer time. I'd like for you to just take a moment, start beseeching the Lord, and say, Lord, give me a song. Whatever song comes to your heart, I want you to make that your daily, daily devotion this week. Just sing it. It took me a while, but I took it from the prayer closet throughout the house. Now my wife's singing it, and we'll get in the car and we'll sing it. And it's a song that's bringing the sweet deliverance to me every time I hear it. Now, I know it'll get old before too long, but when that happens, I'll just pick me up another song because God wants to fill somebody with laughter. And while the people are meditating on the Lord, if you're here this morning and you say, man, I need a song so bad, Pastor. I need to get my attention off all the things that's negative and all this depression that I'm facing and the heaviness of my life. I just need help. Would you help me to pray? I want you to come on up here. We'll pray with you. But eventually, I want you to find you a song. A song that means something to you. A song that stirs your spirit. A song that soothes your soul. It's got to be a spiritual song. Not. It's got to be the right kind of song. A spiritual song. A hymn and spiritual songs. Make a melody in your heart to the Lord. Is there anybody that needs to come up and have me to pray for them? If not... I'm going to let you go home and meditate upon the word of the Lord and I'm going to let you pick out your own song and I want you to start singing and you're going to have deliverance in your life. This is a walk of faith. This ain't about a feeling. It's about putting to practice what you know to do. And I'm here to tell you, God's going to free some people. Somebody's going to tell me, I want you to write in when you get your deliverance over a song. Hallelujah. Brother Bill, would you come up and pray with Brother Eddie?